0: Holy God, we pray that you will move in our hearts by the power of your Spirit as we hear these familiar words again, that we might learn some new application for them in our daily lives and be able to give you all the praise and the glory in this season of celebration. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen reading from the prophet Isaiah, the 7th chapter, beginning with verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Reading also from the Gospel according to Luke, the first chapter, picking up where we left off last week, at verse 46. And Mary said... And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen the Magnificat. The greater part of the passage we read from Luke this morning is a canticle, also known as the Song of Mary, the Canticle of Mary. And in the Byzantine, or the Eastern tradition, the Ode to the Theotokos. Got that? Theotokos means God-bearer in the Greek. It is traditionally incorporated into the liturgical services of the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches. It is one of the eight most ancient Christian hymns, perhaps the earliest Marian hymn. Its name comes from the first word of the Latin text, Magnificat. For all of you Latin scholars out there, I didn't need to tell you that, did I? The canticle is taken directly from Luke 1 where it is spoken by Mary when she visits her cousin Elizabeth. In the narrative, Mary greets Elizabeth pregnant with John the Baptist and later, move, who later moves within uh, Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth praises Mary for her faith using words partially reflected in the Hail Mary, which you remember from last week. And Mary responds with what is now known as the Magnificat. Within the whole of Christianity, the Magnificat is shared by several segments of the liturgical communities. Among Protestant groups, it may also be sung during worship services, especially in the Advent season, during which these verses are traditionally read. Mary's Magnificat, recorded only in Luke's Gospel, is one of four hymns distilled from the collection of early Jewish Christian canticles, which complement the promise-fulfillment theme of Luke's infancy narrative. In addition to Mary's Magnificat, there is Zechariah's Benedictus, the angel's Gloria in Excelsis, Excelsis, and Simeon's Nuke, Aren't you glad you know all that stuff? (laughs) In form and content, these four canticles are patterned on the hymns of praise in Israel's Psalter, which we know as the Psalms. In structure, these songs reflect the compositions of pre-Christian contemporary Jewish hymnology. The first stanza displays graphically a characteristic feature of Hebrew poetry known as Synonymous parallelism in ascribing praise to God. The balance of the opening two lines bursts out into a dual magnificat of declaring the greatness of and finding delight in God. The third stanza reverses the proud by those of low estate, the mighty by those of low degree, and the rich by the hungry. Although there is some scholarly discussion, of whether the historical Mary actually proclaimed this canticle, Luke portrays her as the singer of this song and the interpreter of the contemporary events taking place. We hear echoes of several Old Testament passages in this canticle, including the song of Hannah, Samuel's mother, and various writings from the prophets who led the people for many, many, uh, centuries in their longing for a Messiah. Whew. Didn't sound much like me. At least it didn't sound much like me to me, because it wasn't. That was my longest quote ever, adapted from Wikipedia, the quick go-to, semi-scholarly short source for short comments on subjects. Short. Half the sermon. Anyway, Wikipedia, let's be honest, even scholars go there from time to time. And it's actually become a little bit better than it was in the beginning. But from time to time, not for if I'm really, you know, betting the house on it, but but for some information, I go there. I'm sure glad, I'm sure you are glad that the quote is finished, and so am I. Sometimes, when I think about what I want to say, I I read what other people say, and I go, why should I recreate that? It's already been said, so I'm giving attribution to the many writers of Wikipedia who put that together. I wanted something to tie the last few weeks together with our practice of dreaming this Advent season. And, and uh, it's been so fun to dream. We're actually going to continue dreaming into the new year, too. So that'll be, that'll be fun, too. It doesn't mean you get to sleep during worship, however. It's a different kind of dreaming. This quote serves, as, serves the purpose of tying all of those strands together. We touched on the prophets. We read the prophets during Advent. We touched on the prophets who pointed to the coming of the Messiah... John the Baptist made a gruff appearance. Mary inspired us last week with her winsome yes to God's request to take over her life. And all three, and so much more, show up in this story and this song this morning. So how does dreaming fit into the mix? God's people, all people have always been and are still dreamers of one sort or another. If we're not dreaming, we're probably not doing our human job. Even in the best of days, we imagine how things might be better. And in days when the reality of sin and darkness and illness and oppression, and hatred, and violence seem regularly to rear their ugly heads. Kind of like today, these days, we really have two choices how to respond. To wring our hands and moan and groan about the way things are, or to dream. To dream impossible dreams if need be. Like the one Mary screams into her dark night of despair. And, and, and we see this from, from, from history. And we think, how was Mary despairing? Mary was despairing, as we said last week, because no one had ever done before what she was being called to do. And she had to figure it out, a cause for despair. Strength, too but despair, things aren't how they ought to be. I'm saying that for myself, you'll have to decide if you need to say it for yourself too. And things won't be the way they ought to be if we simply shrug our shoulders and give up. That's why we dream. That's why we've been focusing on dreaming this Advent. The message of Advent is don't, don't give up, never give up. The passage is aptly titled, I probably don't need to tell you that our word magnificent derives from the same Latin root, and unlike awesome or marvelous or, or spectacular or go way back. Swell. Those words are quite quickly overused, I think. But there's something about the word magnificent that spares it from overuse. Do you get tired of people saying magnificent to you? I don't because I don't hear it that often. A magnificence inhabits the very word. Just saying it sincerely makes one stand up a little bit taller. Magnificent. It works. Just like the whole story we have been following, with all of its trials and all of its challenges, it is still a magnificent story. Just like our worship these days of waiting and preparing and hoping and dreaming, our worship here has been Magnificent. I've experienced that magnificent for several weeks now, probably since I've been here. Sometimes, sometimes the things that we grow most accustomed to become a little bit old hat, or maybe we don't think that they're quite as good as somebody else or something else. When I think of my not very well hometown of Xenia, Ohio, I often downplay how wonderful it is, because it's really not that wonderful. I call it my dumpy little hometown when my wife's not around because she whacks me, even though she's not from there either. But we downplay sometimes those things that we're familiar with. Maybe, maybe that's how some of you feel about Jacksonville. Oh. Life in Jacksonville is okay, but it's not. Fill in the place you'd rather be. Mary, a girl from nowhere, Nazareth, is directed to go see her distant cousin in the hillbilly outback. Luke doesn't even attach a name to the town. But there, out in nowhere land. Mary breaks into song about the magnificence of God's plan for her life and for the world. Magnificat, for sure. So in that spirit, on this day, when we will be up and out of here and on the move shortly because we still have things to do before Tuesday, right? Anybody got it all wrapped up besides me? I'm good to go, but maybe you're not. I want us to stop for these not even ten minutes. How about that? And imagine and dream. That however our lives might be considered from our present viewpoint, and and I recognize fully that we all come from many different places and many different spirits, and some of them not so great. Whatever our viewpoint, that with God messing around with our lives, they indeed, magnificent and so are we and we have the boldness to proclaim with mary my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior amen